Well, good afternoon, everybody. How are you all? Great. Oh, it's good to be together. Woo. I love this church. I love what God's doing. I love the Word. I love worship. Uh, I love the movement of the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus. Ah, oh, He's so good. <laughs> and did I mention I love you all too? Yes, I do. Oh yeah. So how many of you here this morning came to have a nice meeting at our club? Okay. How many of you came this morning, now this afternoon, to sing some nice songs? How many of you came to see your friends and family? I love gathering together. I love the moments where we just get to be together corporately. There's something powerful about to get being together corporately where we get to see each other, build relationship together, love on each other. Obviously, it's more than a Sunday morning for that, so Ignite groups and other things are so important. But we get to experience God, uh, sorry, each other, which is fun, right? So, but you're not here for that primarily, I can tell. That's a good thing. That's a good byproduct. So how many of you are here this morning slash now this afternoon to experience and encounter God? Okay, so there's some of you that haven't put your hand up, so what are you here for? <laughs> We're still figuring it out. I was dragged here. I don't know why. No. Uh, you know, here's the thing about, uh, you know, we, we love to meet together. We love to experience God together. There is something powerful and dynamic about when we gather together corporately. There's, there's, there's the corporate anointing upon each one of us that, that comes to, when it comes together. You know, the Bible says if two or three of you are gathered in my name, there, Jesus, I am in your midst. So Jesus has been in, in our midst amongst us this morning, and we love to worship Him. But you know, this today, uh, my hope and my prayer, my expectation, our prayer, is that you don't come to church to get filled up, but that you come already full. That you don't come to church having kind of scraped yourself through the week, but you, already, you come full of the encounters of God and the life of heaven on the inside of you. Because the truth of the gospel, the gospel is this. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we've been experiencing God. We get to experience Him in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit every minute of every day. Because we're in Christ Jesus and Christ is in us. So when we go to work, we're in Christ. Christ is in us. When we go to the schools, if you go to school, Christ is in you. You're in Christ. If you go to the neighborhood, the mall, the family, you're for homes. Wherever you are, the government, Christ is in you. You are in Christ. The life of heaven is bubbling up on the inside of you all of the time. I want to encourage you. I invite you to put your hand on your belly right now. And to say, thank you, Jesus, for the wellspring of life that's bubbling up on the inside of me. Jesus said in John 4, if you drink of the water that I drink, which is the life of the Spirit, and, and having laid down his own life, so now that we're in Christ, that, they, that's, that water will come bubbling up into eternal life as an eternal wellspring bubbling up on the inside of you. So thank you, Jesus, for that life in the Spirit that's always bubbling up on the inside. Whoo! Put your, put your hands over your eyes. Jesus, I thank you for giving us eyes to see in the spirit realm, to see you. I thank you that you've removed the blinders that the devil had put upon us, that we can see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And we worship you. We thank you for, put your hand on your mouth. I won't, because I won't, you won't be able to hear me. Put your hand on your mouth. You know, we're just like Jesus. Christ is in us. We're in Christ. We're just like Jesus. Jesus in Revelation chapter 19 is described as having a sword coming out of his mouth. So thank you, Jesus, for the sword that comes out of your mouth, the sword that now comes out of our mouths, because we're in you, Jesus, which is the Word of God, the power of God. 
Whew. And if Christ is in you, which is true if you're a believer, here's the next thing I want you to do. Give yourself a hug. Wrap yourself as tight as you possibly can. Yes, you think I'm weird, but I am. That's fine. And just say, Jesus, I love you. I love the fact that you're in me. Give yourself a big squeeze. Let a smile come across your face. Because you've got the life of Helen. Heaven. Helen? <laughs> Probably not Helen. Unless your name is Helen, then you have the life of Helen in you. The life of heaven on the inside of you. So give yourself a big squeeze. If Christ is in you, there's no place for you not liking yourself. If Christ is in you, which he is, there's no place for you thinking less of yourselves than you ought. Paul says, don't think too highly, but you know, how can you think more highly of Christ? I think the only time you can think more highly of yourself is you realize that you, if you forget that you're actually in Christ Jesus and you think you're all that. Give yourself another hug. Oh. Ha. So hello, world changers. Hello, warriors. Hello, sons of light. Hello, people of glory. Hello, glory carriers. Hello, people that are filled with the goodness of God. Hello, sons of light. Hello, Gideons. Hello, mighty men and women of valor. <laughs> Hello, conquerors. Hello, giant slayers. Hello, fiery ones. Hello, anointed ones. Hello, sons and daughters of fresh oil. Hello, glory carriers. Jesus said in John 17, as he's praying to the Father, and he's praying, and he says, Father, the glory that you have given me, what is the glory that the Father gave Jesus? Well, it was the glory of sonship, of, of, of having the privilege of manifesting the reality of who the Father was to a broken world and of carrying the Father's heart and his life and releasing the Father's love to those around him through signs and wonders and miracles and through preaching of the word and through the glory of, of, of heaven's yes upon his life as he surrendered to his, his life and only did the, what the Father was doing and he carried the glory of heaven. John says in John 1 that we have seen his glory, glory of the one and only, the one of a kind, unique Son, full of grace and truth from the Father, the one who is in the Father's bosom. And he says to, Jesus says, and we see in one, uh, two Peter, the, Peter says, we saw his glory when we heard the voice from heaven on the Mount of Transfiguration that said, you're my son whom I love, listen to you. And then Jesus says, the glory, John 17, he's praying to the Father. He says, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. And it's not talking about the disciples. It's not just talking about the 12 that he was praying for. It's clear from that scripture that he's already moved on to see past the 12, past the generation that were there, to see generation after generation, to see you and I. So turn to the person next to you and say, Hello, glory carrier. You look full of glory. You are radiant in your holy attire. You look really good in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's anointing upon your face is making you shine. Tell them again. I don't think they believed it the first time. You're the sons of light. You're the sons of might. You're the sons of glory. You're the son, and when I say sons, I'm not just talking to the men, right? We're talking about men and women. There's an there's a, there's a, there's a inheritance that comes with sonship. That's, in, that's the important thing about sonship. You're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Ha! Let that drought drop. Let that rest upon you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that you're already here. 
I ask that you would explode in each one of us. That we would be lengthened and strengthened on the inside. Ah, oh, explode in every heart right now. Explode in every mind, Lord. Explode in every will. Explode in every emotion. Explode with your goodness and your glory. The glory of God is the goodness of God. Explode in that goodness and glory, Lord. And let your anointing, the smearing of the Holy Spirit, rest upon us. Drink him in, drink him in, drink him in. Don't be passive. Don't, you don't have to be weird, but just, just receive him on the inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Whoa. Whoa. Show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Thicken, thicken, thicken your presence, Lord. Father, I ask this morning, this afternoon, Lord, that we don't just have good information. We don't even have inspiration. We want revelation. We want you to explode in our minds, to literally transform our thinking so that we live in your power of who you are. You know that you are not normal. You're not normal. All of you in this section right here, you're not normal. And all of you in this section right here, you're not normal either. And all of you in this section here, you're not normal either. And all of you in this section here, guess what? We're not normal. Why are we not normal? Well, because we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we've been anointed with heaven. Because we have Christ on the inside of us who's made us new creations. We are no longer actually in Adam. We're now in Christ Jesus. We're not like the other people that, uh, that don't know Jesus. You're not normal. You're apparently normal, but you're not normal. You're sons and daughters of fresh oil. What does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit is always pouring himself out upon you. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, let's have a look at Philippians chapter 1. We're going to take some time to, quick, to look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 to 30. Uh, you can turn there. I'm going to give you a quick little background. Philippians, uh, it was a, Philippi was a city in Rome, uh, not in Rome, in Macedonia and Greece that was a Roman colony and that was considered to be uh, an, uh, an excellent Roman colony. If you were a citizen of Philippi, you were you know, like the talk of... Uh, that you were kind of in the pinnacle of, of, of the culture in that moment. And Paul had planted a church to, to, to in, the, in Philippi um, that had started small, had ended with him getting, uh, and Silas getting stuck into prison and then um, getting thrown out after a mini revival broke out and earthquakes happened. There's great power in praise. And Paul's now writing, he himself is writing now, later on in his life from prison, writing to this church, and it's not just to the elders or the, 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 the leaders of the church, it's actually to the whole church that Paul is writing. And he's writing, uh, it's a great message, a great um, little book. I, I recommend you read it, just his affection for the, uh, the Philippian people, his love and his sense of connectedness and his partnership with the gospel is just glorious and beautiful. And so we're going to start in Philippians 1:27, and we're going to read down to 30. And um, it says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy, or actually the Greek says, Only behave as citizens worthy. Only let your manner of life be worthy. Only behave as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. 
This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. Your lack of fear in the face of adversity is a demonstration that the principalities and powers of the enemies of God are headed for destruction. It's a sign to them. But it's a sign to us of our salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. It's the word of the Lord. Ah, and so he starts this. It's like only, it's like, a, it's like the finger wag. It's like, but one thing, everybody. But only this. Here's what I want. Only this. So it's like Paul's, it's like a finger wag. I don't like finger wagging too much. It makes me feel uncomfortable. But Paul's saying this. He's saying one thing. One thing. But one thing. Only. Only this. Only this. And he says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Be, behave as citizens worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word in the Greek, citizenship, is, is to live as a citizen, to conduct oneself as pledged to some law of life. Paul's saying, conduct yourselves as people that are pledged to the law of life, which is the law of love in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, because you're connected to the life of heaven, because you are now a citizen of heaven, live a life worthy of that. It's an interesting play for Paul because in, in Philippi, the citizens, they were Roman citizens. It was as if they were living in Rome. And so Paul's saying, first off, first off he's saying, you have a citizenship on the earth that you make a big deal about. Live according to that that's worth, you know, the, the worthiness of that. But more importantly, because you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, that because when Christ rose from the dead, you rose from the dead. When he was ascended, you ascended. When he was glorified, you were glorified. Live as if your citizenship, which it is, live with your citizenship in heaven. Live a life of, that's worthy from heaven to earth. Yeah, You know, we live a life, citizenship. What's the citizenship? It's worthy of what? It's the worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ Jesus. It's worthy. What, is the, what does worthy mean? Sorry, what the, the, the gospel is good news. Live a life that's worthy of the good news of Christ. Who's Christ? Christ is the anointed one. The one who has been raised up to life and is now in the heavenly realms. He was, he's anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's dripping with the power and the anointing and the freedom and the glory of the Holy Spirit. And the good news, the good news is because we're now in Christ, we are now the, in the anointed one ourselves and we have been smeared with the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been anointed and we have life literally in us and dripping off us. Live a life worthy of the gospel. And Paul's saying this, he's saying, look, the good, the good news of the gospel isn't just that we got saved out of something. It's not just that like the ancient Israelites, we got taken out of this slavery from Egypt and we're now, now no, you know, we're no longer slaves in Egypt, which is true. We have been saved from sin. We've come out of slavery from sin and the devil and the world and we are going to heaven. We have a glorious future in heaven for us that's awaiting there, kept by the power of God for the moment when Christ returns and we shall be with him and we will be like him because we shall see him as he is. What a glorious day that will be. But we've not just come waiting for that moment. Now, got what? because we are now seated already in the heavenly places, it's the life of heaven to earth, is now we're called into the promised land, living in the kingdom of the beloved, heaven to earth, releasing the power and the majesty and the glory of God everywhere that we go, with the anointing, the secret source of the anointing upon your life to bring you into the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. <laughs> and I love it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul's saying, Paul says this, he goes, you know, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. The gospel itself is the Jews demand a sign, the Greeks demand wisdom, but none of that, that, that 
The gospel doesn't come in the form that they're looking for. The gospels come as Christ, who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And he goes on to say this, and he says, we, we, so he's talking about the wisdom, and he says, it's not that we don't have any wisdom, we just have a different kind of wisdom. This is the wisdom that we have. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, that which the angels longed to look into, which was Jesus, that moment where Jesus was going to come as the Messiah to overcome sin and death, not just to set uh, Israel free in the natural, but to, to, to spread all of us, to set all of us free in the spirit realm, to bring us into life, and it was a secret hidden wisdom that was came from God and then he goes on to say that that secret hidden wisdom of God God decreed before the ages for our glory the glory of Christ God made a decree that there would there was going to be a people that would be for all of from from Jesus's death onwards where we would be in Christ Jesus, the secret, the hidden wisdom in Christ Jesus, full of the power of the Holy Spirit for our glory, which the Holy Spirit makes known to us. Live your life as a manner, in a manner worthy of your citizenship. Remember, we're citizens of heaven, which means that our citizenship of heaven trance to overcake, overtakes and aces every time our other citizenships other groups that we belong to, other things that we put our identity into, other ways that we define ourselves, our citizenship of heaven puts uh, aces, it's the ace in the hole of all of those things. And everything that is out of alignment with our citizenship has to come into alignment. Whew. So Paul goes on to say what a few things about what is that manner of life worthy? What does a worthy life look like? And we haven't got time to unpack all of it through to uh, chapter two and all of that where he talks about humility and, and looking to others and counting others more than yourselves. But in this, this verse of 27, he says this, he says, I want to know, I want to hear, I want to see whether I'm here or whether I'm not here. And this is my desire for us as a church, our desire that we would have a reputation whether you're here or you're not here, the reputation would be this, that you are standing firm in one spirit. That you are standing firm. I love this. To stand firm indicates that this is the, it's the duty of a soldier in battle. Stand firm against the enemy and do not move. It's to describe, to describe the taking of a position against an adversary. You're coming at me, but I am standing firm. I love that. There's a... One of my favorite passages at the moment is in 2 Samuel 23, and it just lists through the, um, the mighty men of David. And there's in verse 11 and 12 of 2 Samuel 23, there's this man called Shemar. And it says this, next to, next to Shemar, there was a Shemar, the son of Agi, the Harite, and the Philistines who were the enemies of God, who wanted to, to, to rout the Israelites and send them packing out of their, their land. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled. The men of Israel fled from, it, from the Philistines. But Shemar took his stand in the midst of the plot of lentils. Who wants to defend a lentil plot? It doesn't really matter what the plot is. The fact is it's land that belongs to them that they're not going to back down from. And he took his stand in the midst of the plot and he defended it and he struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. Come on, warriors, arise. Come on, warriors, arise. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. Don't give an inch of ground. Stand firm against the opposition. So what are we standing firm against? Well, I think one of the main things we're standing firm against that we need to stand firm against, we need to stand firm against any watering down of the truth of the gospel. Because we're to stand firm in one spirit to live a life worthy of the gospel. And there's so much that's going on at the moment uh, in, in, in the world that, that where the, 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 the philosophies of the world are being overlaid and input into the church. And, we're, and we're, because of the pressure from the outside, there's pressure to water down the truth of the gospel. There's pressure to water down the, you know, the, the, the fact that Jesus died for sin, but you have to believe in him to get to heaven. You know, theory, thought coming out now that well, everyone is going to go to heaven. You just Because God's so loving and he's so good, everyone's going to go. You can be whoever you want to be. You can decide about your identity. You can do whatever you like and God's going to still be there. There's no hell. God just loves you all. 
There's opposition, there's, there's, there's pressure that's coming. And, and that pressure comes in the form of when you stand for the truth. They, uh, people can use words like bigot or hate speech. When you're standing firm just in the truth of this is what the Bible says. And Paul says, but just earlier in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9, and he says this, this is, this is his prayer, that, that our love would abound more and more, but with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Here's the thing about love. Love is the key, right? Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, if I have not love, I, have, I am a clanging gong or a resounding cymbal. I'm just an ugly noise. If I'm pushing the truth, but there's no love, I'm just an angry noise. He says, you know, without love, love is important, but love doesn't compromise. And so the thing about love, Paul's saying, I want you to abound more and more in love, but that love has to come with it, knowledge and all discernment. Why? So that you can prove what is excellent, because love isn't just love is love, let's embrace and accept everybody, although we embrace and accept everybody, but we don't leave them in their sin. We call them out into their true godly identity. And, and without doing that, we're actually not loving them into the, the, the full way that God has called us to. And so we need knowledge. This is what the Word says. We need discernment. This is what needs to happen in this situation so that we can, dis we can approve what is pure and what is excellent. I don't want to call good what God says bad. And so, if you have a Bible, I want you to take your Bible. If you have an iPad or a phone, take your phone and put your phone, your Bible, or your iPad with your Bible. If you've got a phone or a Bible, no, a phone or an iPad, have your Bible app open, okay? I want you to put it on your head. Right, this is a declaration. Okay, the declaration is, you don't have to repeat this, but this is what we're saying. The, 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 Psalm 138 verse 2 says, you have exalted your name and your word above all things. So by putting the Bible on our heads, what we're saying is that we're exalting the word of God above our own thinking. We're exalting the word of God above our own experiences. We're exalting the word of God about what the world says. We're, above, we're exalting the Word of God above anything else. And the Word of God is our standard. The Word of God is our truth. The Word of God is the one thing that we stand firm in. And the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all truth, to guide us into truth, Jesus says. So let the Holy Spirit guide you into truth as you read and as you experience not just the actual written Word, but the living Word, the Logos of God, Jesus Christ Himself. We're a people of the Word. We're a people of the Word. We stand firm in the truth. We stand firm against watering down the truth. I love it. That story of Jesus in John chapter 8 where there's a woman who's caught in adultery and the woman, um, they, they, the Pharisees want to stone her and, and they take her to Jesus and Jesus is who was the one pure person that had the right under the law of Moses because he had not sinned. He had the right to to see that woman stoned, uh, stoned to death. And, and he says, they all sort of disappear. He says, he who has the first, is without sin, cast the first stone. They all disappear. There's no one left. And Jesus says to her, does no one condemn you? Neither do I. Perfect love. Without compromise, go and sin no more. So we're standing against opposition, watering down the truth. We're standing against the works of the enemy, gossip, slander, malice, things that would want to backstab, want to just get our own way, competition, uh, even the enemy coming in to say, you know, to, to confuse our thoughts, to set up lofty ideals against the kingdom of God, to say that we are, uh, you know, in depression or in anxiety or fear or that we're nothing or we're nobody or we're not worthy or we're nothing. We stand against that in the word of God. Stand against the power of the enemy. But we stand firm. We don't give an inch of ground. But I want us to look back here that when we stand firm, we're standing firm in one spirit. In other words, we're not standing firm in our own strength. We're not standing firm in our own ability. We're not standing firm in our own... <clears throat> we're standing firm in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the unmovable one. The power of the one who stands and doesn't change.
despite everything that's put against him. The victorious one, the overcoming one. And so we stand not in our own strength, but we stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is our source of power. He's the only way that we can stand firm in him. We just have to drink of the Holy Spirit as often as we possibly can. Have another drink. Go on, have another drink. Just receive, just say whatever it looks like to you. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're my source of power. Something like that. Just thank him for that. One spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. He's your life. He's your energy. He's the one that helps you to stand firm. He's the one that leads you into truth. He's the one that seals you in Christ Jesus. He's the one that reminds you of your identity. He's the one that speaks to your own soul and says that you're, my, you're a son, an inheritor. It's the spirit of Jesus, the giant slayer, the ultimate giant slayer, the one who slayed the giants of sin and death and sickness and disease and the enemy. And the giant slayer lives on the inside of you. So Paul goes on to say this. So it's one spirit, but, but you know, some commentators, they're not sure about whether he's talking about the spirit or our spirits. But Paul goes on to say this in the next verse, which I think you can read both ways, actually, that it's first and foremost the Holy Spirit, but then us together in one spirit. Because then when Paul goes on to say, with one mind striving by, side by side for the faith of the gospel, the, one, the word mind there is psyche or soul. So he's saying stand and strive side by side with one mind. In other words, do it so that it looks like even though there's many of you, you're one person. that you've got the same psyche, you've got the same mentality, you've got the same thinking, you've got the same, we're, gonna, we're, we're in this together. Oneness of soul, oneness of purpose. Not I'm on my own trying to do something, you're on your own trying to do something, but no, striving side by side with one thinking. Side by side together. I love it, that sort of the image of a, of a well-trained army presents a united front. You know, here's the thing about unity. You can't have unity without the power of the Holy Spirit because if, if you don't have unity without the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll end up in compromise somewhere. It's the Holy Spirit himself is the only one that can bring us fully into unity together. We need the Holy Spirit to bring us into unity. When we have the Holy Spirit in unity, what the purpose of that is that we stand side by side and we fight together. I was reminded this week um, that about the Roman army when they were uh, going into battle. This is what they would do. They would for, have a formation where there would be rows of soldiers and they would have these very large shields. And the first row of soldiers would put up their shield head to toe, bottom to the top. And they would put up their shield and they would... And the, others, the next row behind would put up their shields above their heads. And they had a sword sticking out between the, the cracks and they would literally just move forward. And any attack of the enemy that would come over would just hopefully, if they've got their shields locked well enough, that they would bounce off and no enemy, no weapon of the enemy would strike against them and they would just move forward. But they wouldn't take big steps because, you know, if I would take a big step, you could easily knock me off my feet because my inertia, there's, there's, I'm, I'm not planted for long enough. But if I take little steps, nothing will shake us. And so the, 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 the army, what they would do, shots, uh, shields here, spears here, shields here, shuffle forward. An unstoppable force, just moving, with the archers behind, firing arrows over the top, just moving, moving, moving. Unstoppable force. That's the picture Jesus is, Paul saying here. You're standing, you're striving, you're with one mind, as if you're one person together, striving side by side. What are we striving for? What are we fighting together for? We were fighting for the faith of the gospel. I think you can read that three ways, the faith of the gospel. The first way is there's faith in the gospel. The second way is it's faith in the truth of the gospel. The third way is the action of the gospel. In other words, the faith generated by the gospel. Let's look at those quickly together. So the faith in the gospel. You know, the, Paul says in, two, in 1 Corinthians that, that, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He says, I didn't come with you, come to you with wise and persuasive words, but I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power of God. There's no other 
way for man to be saved, but to hear the gospel and to respond to the truth. So uh, what we're contending for is the truth that the gospel is salvation, that there is no other way to be saved. We're contending for the gospel as the power of God unto salvation, that when we preach the word of God, that people will get saved because the gospel is powerful to unblind their eyes and to bring them into the glory of who God is who God is and who God's created them to be. So we have faith in the gospel that Christ is the power of God and that Christ is the wisdom of God. So we're contending for the faith that is in the gospel, that God is, that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. We're also contending from the truth of the gospel. I've talked about this already, but we're not stepping away from the truth. We're not opening ourselves up to other ideas. We're not sort of watering things down because it feels more palatable to the world. We're standing firm for the truth that is contained in the gospel. And then thirdly, we're, we're, we're standing and we're believing and we're striving for faith generated by the gospel. In other words, it's the outflow of the power of God. It's the demonstration of the Spirit. It's the power of the Spirit. It's contending for breakthrough, contending for healing together, contending for miracles together, contending for the end of racism together, contending for the end of poverty together, contending for uh, families to come back together, contending for identity, contending from the truth of who people are, contending for our city, contending against um, crime and violence, contending against prostitution, contending against all the ills in the world because the power of God God is through coming, working through us that we would see the kingdom of God come in power and glory. The Bible says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. And that filling the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will come through you and I as we stand firm and contend in the power and the faith generated by the gospel for signs, wonders, and miracles, for the gospel to be preached and for people to get set free physical addictions, physical things, spiritual things, and that we would re rebuild the ancient ruins, Isaiah 61. That we're contending for the flow of the, of the gospel, the power of the gospel. And here's the thing, we're contending for that together. It's not just that there's some, a little group of people that are believing God for healing. We are believing God for that, us, for the whole community, right? We're, we're believing as a community for the end of racism, as a community, we're striving together, believing for the salvation of our cities, for righteousness and justice to be established in the government, taking ground, striving together for the faith generated by the gospel. So Paul's saying, I want you to stand firm in one spirit. I want you to, with one mind, strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. The third thing, verse 28, I don't want you to be frightened in anything by your opponents. Why? Because we're together, strong and firm in the word. Together, standing arm in arm, locked together. Not on our own, not trying to do things on our, with ourselves only, but standing together. You know that you, we need each other. We're an army. We have in an army, you have, a, you have a hospital, you have a medical clinic, you have people that have been wounded that need to get healed. And if you need to get healed, if you're wounded, we love you. We want you to, to be healed. But the purpose of the hospital in that place is so that you get healed and you come back to the front line. We're not a hospital, we're an army with a hospital. Come on. What are you striving for? What are you contending for? Just let me just t take a moment, take that word striving. We're not striving for God's affection. Paul's not talking about that. We already have God's affection. But when he looks at us, he already smiles and thinks about us and we're the apple of his eye where he absolutely loves us. We're not striving for his affection or his affirmation or his attention. You already have it. His eyes are trained upon you. He counsels you with his eye. He's watching out for you. He's lining up everything to work for your good. He, you are loved and cherished because of who you are. We're not striving for that. We're striving for the truth of the gospel. We're striving for the things that he's given us. We're striving for the greater works. We're believing and we're contending God together for breakthrough. 
I want to invite you to stand. Now, here's what I want to do. And, and if you don't want to uh, participate, you're very free not to participate. There's no pressure. There's no control here. But what I'm really feeling this morning, is, this afternoon, is that we actually are, is an enlistment that's happening. And that there's actually, we want to do a prophetic act of us being an army together. Of us being a people that are standing together in the, to take ground in the city that God has given us, in the spheres that God has given us, in the places of influence that God has given us. So there's a green line here. And what I want to do is this. If you feel comfortable, I want you to come up the first line to stand on that green line, and then everyone else start to make rows behind them. Okay? Get in tight. Get in tight as you can. No gaps between you. Tight as possible. Now, if you're running out of space, let's have another row come behind. There's a massive gap just here. Uh, another row, stand behind. And if that, if that row's full, stand behind again. Again, if you don't want to do, participate, no problem. But if you want to, just come stand, stand in a line, in rows. And it could be a third line. And again, this isn't, this isn't that the first line is more important than the second line or the third line. It's just that we are an army together. Okay, now what I want you to do is link arms together. Stand together. Feel the other person standing next to you. Feel them in your arm. Feel that sense of strength and togetherness. You're standing together. Now then, we'll look at the ends. Okay, at the ends, could you, two of you at the end go to the back row because what I would like to do is to make sure that there's nobody that's standing on their own with nobody behind them. Unless you're in the back row, then of course there's nobody behind you, but hopefully there's someone in front of you. <laughs> the same over here. I don't, can't see that, but it, yes, okay, perfect. So we're standing behind each other. In other words, we're not out on a limb on our own. We're not on just one little line. We're together. Warriors. F feel the strength. Feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Feel the power of heaven. You're standing firm together. You are mighty warriors. You're an army. You're the God. You're the, you're the army of God. You carry the power of heaven. You carry the anointing of God. You're full of the Holy Spirit. You're in Christ Jesus. You're sons of might and sons of light. Just feel it. Shoulder to shoulder, striving together. One mind. You could turn to the person next to you and say, I'm striving with you. I'm standing with you. I'm with you. We're in this together. Okay, and here's what I want to do now. We're going to take, in a minute, don't move just yet. Lael's going to play. We're going to do a little slow marching shuffle. Okay, so it's going to be like this. We're going to, mark, we're going to all shuffle forward until we reach that line, and then some of you might have to walk up the line a little bit. All right, and it's just a literal, it's just a little shuffle, slow, shuffle, move forward, shuffle, forward. Shuffle, move, shuffle, forward, shuffle, move. So that we're not taking big sides, strides, we're not getting knocked off our feet, just taking an inch. Thanks, Raph, yeah, an inch. So it's like a, a little shuffle, like a slow little. And then start to shuffle together in one movement. It's a prophetic act. We're moving forward. We're taking land. We're stepping into the anointing of heaven. We're stepping into the purposes of God in this city. We're moving into this land. We're taking back that which the enemy has stolen from us. 
and we declare right now that we're pushing back all the darkness, that we are armies of light. So start to push back the darkness in your city, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, in your schools. We're pushing back the, the, oh, the darkness and the, we're the armies of light and we take, we're, we, we push back everything that comes against families and against the generational blessings, against our identity and against our inheritance. We're pushing it back. Okay, you can probably stop right there, otherwise you're gonna run out of space. Okay, now just keep marching. Just, but that's a great beat, thank you. March, don't, on the spot, just march. Okay, so just declare, look, visualize your city, visualize your place of work, visualize your university, visualize your schoolroom, your classroom, whatever it is. And we're making a declaration together. We're pushing back the darkness because we are the armies of light. We're coming against everything that comes against families and generational blasting. We're taking back the treasure out of darkness. Everything that's been stolen from us. Come on, make a declaration. Everything that's been stolen, everything that's been stolen from this city, everything that's been stolen from the inheritance of this people. It's not just our inheritance, it's the inheritance of the people, it's the inheritance of Jesus. We're taking it back. We're taking it back, everything that's been stolen in the Triangle region, in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, and the surrounding cities and towns. We're, we're, we're declaring an end, an end, an end to sickness and death, uh, sickness and disease. We're declaring, declaring an end to cancer. We're declaring an end to mental illness. We're declaring an end to other sicknesses and diseases and disorders. We're declaring an end in Jesus' name because we declare that the spirit of life is the spirit of health spirit of goodness and the spirit of energy and we declare that in Christ Jesus he has taken all sickness upon himself and broken the power of sickness and we're taking back our cities look at your city we're saying we're taking it back right now we're taking back the streets that God has given us just just a minute so here's the thing in the covenant of Abraham which Galatians chapter 3 says well covenant of Abraham is this God says in uh, Genesis chapter 12, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation, Abraham, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Paul says in, in Galatians chapter 3, by the power in Christ Jesus, the, ble- the, the promised Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the blessing of Abraham. And the blessing of Abraham was land and people and inheritance. We are now carrying in that covenantal blessing of Abraham, we're carrying that covenantal blessing which means that the cities around us are ours because they belong to Jesus. And the people in those cities belong to Jesus. He paid the price for them. God so loved the world, not just so that he could save a few handful of Christians and they could feel good about themselves. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. He loved the whole world. On the cross, he reconciled heaven and earth. He's made provision for every single person to come to know him. Whether they choose to or not, it's because they've been blinded by, this, by the, uh, the, the God of this age. But what we declare now is that we're taking the ground back. We're taking our cities back. We're taking the land, the wells, the vineyards, the olive groves, the people. So start to declare that. Leo, thank you. Start to declare we're taking it back. We're taking our city. I'm taking our na- we're taking our neighborhoods. We're taking our workplaces. We're taking our businesses. We're expecting to see God move. We're expecting a mighty outpouring. We're expecting you, God, to do signs and wonders and miracles. We put our faith in the gospel. We put our faith in Christ, the power of God. We put our faith in Christ, the wisdom of God. We put our faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we say yes to the Holy Spirit. We say move in Jesus' name. Move in Jesus' name. Ah! Ah! Lift up a cry. Let's just lift up a shout together. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to see the Lamb receive the reward of His suffering. Jesus, you've given us all things. This city belongs to us, these cities. Not so that we can be domineering and controlling and establish some kind of rule of militia or law or whatever. No, so that we can love and we can serve and we can rescue people 
and we can lay down our lives that the lost and the broken and the hurting would come to know you and that they would live in a place of your goodness and your freedom and your joy. Lord, we're not getting all uh, triumphalistic because somehow we want to just be domineering. No, Lord, we don't. We want to serve, but we want, we want you to give us this triangle region as our inheritance. Your inheritance. Psalm 2, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. And because we're in Christ Jesus, we ask for this part of the earth. We ask to take possession of this type, this part of the earth, and we take ground. Last thing to do, un unhook yourself for a minute. When I've been taking my dog out at night, we've got some stairs at home, and I stand on those stairs. You know, they talk, tell you to do power poses, right? If you want to grow in confidence, you do a power pose. Now, I, I did this in the first service, and, the, and one of the people said, you know, that's actually a business way. If you're going to be a warrior, you've got to have your bent, knees bent, and you've got to stand firm, right? Because you don't get knocked off. So the Lord's releasing swords into your hands. I want us to practice the power pose. Leg forward, slightly bent. Take the sword of the Spirit in your hand. And this is the other thing I feel like the Lord's doing. Is he's, I saw him a few weeks ago releasing angels, they were bear angels, like they looked like bears, and they released, and they came into this auditorium, and they were on assignment to train our hands for war, to teach us how to war and how to fight. And so I just released the angels right now. Any angels on assignment to train to train our hands for war? We release them now. Come and train us, each of us individually, and we stand in the power of the Holy Spirit taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we say together, let's just shout together in a minute, we will not be moved, we will not be frightened. We're going to shout together. We will not be moved. We will not be frightened. <laughs>